Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer. Lord, as we approach your word this Easter Sunday, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us regarding the power of the resurrection and who Christ is and what he does. In Jesus' name, amen. Over 10 years ago, Barna, the Christian pollster, took a poll to determine if Americans knew the true meaning of Easter. In 10 years ago, just two out of three Americans recognized Easter as a religious holiday, and less than half recognized Easter with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'll have to say that while that poll was done 10 years ago, you can look at polls that have been done recently and you come away with the conclusion that Easter ignorance isn't limited to just the U.S. And in fact, countries that before were the bedrock of Christianity in the Western world have become biblically ignorant regarding why we celebrate Easter. And while you can pose that question, why do we celebrate Easter? I think that you can also appropriately ask another question that has more meaning and impact. Who is Christ? Who is Christ? There are some people in our country that literally do not know that. Who is Jesus Christ? There are other people that sit in churches all across our country and they have a view of Christ that is very different than the biblical view. So, as we celebrate Easter this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to the first chapter in Revelation. And as John addresses the seven churches in Asia Minor, you will see as he opens up the book of Revelation, you will find the answer. Who is Jesus Christ? Revelation 1, starting in verse 4, it reads, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold. He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the 
Almighty. And as we spend a few moments in these particular verses this morning, you can see who Jesus Christ is and why we worship Christ on Easter Sunday. And in fact, you could almost call these titles, titles for Christ. And the first title that you can see in Revelation 1 is that Christ is the peace giver. Look at how John opens up in verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And I will tell you, as we just look at that verse on its own merit, you can see that Christ is the eternal peace giver. He didn't give peace yesterday. He's not hoping to give peace tomorrow. Christ gives peace continually because he said, who is and who was and who is to come. Christ gives eternal peace. Well, what kind of peace is it? I would argue that it is a unique peace. And in fact, Christ himself said that it is a unique peace. In John 14, 27, Christ said these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's a unique peace. It's a peace that cannot be found in world systems, in world frames of thought, in world's philosophies. And in fact, in the seventh verse of the fourth chapter of Philippians, Paul wrote, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all understanding. We gather here today not because we have peace just for tomorrow as we look at going to heaven when we die. We gather here today and we worship Christ because He is the eternal peace giver. And I don't know about you, but as I look out onto the world stage and I see all of the atrocities that are being committed in the world today... I long for peace, and I'm sure you too long for a peace. And as we see all of the slaughter that's going on in the Ukraine, we have to remember this, that Christ told us at His first advent that there would always be wars and rumors of wars. Why is that? It's because mankind is sinful. Mankind is selfish. And it is exhibited in the most extreme case in war. But Christ gives us peace. It reminds me of that wonderful hymn, Wonderful Peace. You may know it in some hymns as just the two words together, peace, peace. And it, to me, portrays the uniqueness of the peace of Christ. When the lyricist wrote, What a treasure I have in this wonderful peace buried deep in the heart of my soul. So secure that no power can mine it away while the years of eternity roll. I am resting tonight in this wonderful peace. Resting sweetly in Jesus' control. For I am kept from all danger by night and by day in His glory 
is flooding my soul. We celebrate Christ because he is the peace giver. Not only do we celebrate him because he's the peace giver, but we also celebrate him because he is the witness. Look back at our focal passage this morning. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Faithful witness. How faithful is he? How unique is he? Well, in John 1.18, it reads, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. In Hebrews 1, the writer of Hebrews would write in verse 3, that Jesus Christ is the brightness of His glory, referring to God the Father, and the express image of His person. Now let me mention on that one particular verse, the brightness of His glory. This isn't just a reflection. The other day I was talking to my brother and I said something that I thought was kind of funny. And my brother said, you sound just like Dad. And that's what happens when we can reflect, not completely, not perfectly. That's a reflection. That's not what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. When it talks about being in the brightness, it means that he is not reflecting. He is. He is God's glory. He is the express image. He is the faithful witness. He is the exact representation. People today want to act confused about faith and morality and what you can do and can't do, and we live in a world of situational ethics where people say, well, it's okay because this or that, and they're looking around and they're making their decisions on morality and faith based upon looking at the rest of society, but one only needs to look at Jesus Christ in His teachings, in His words, And you will see the faithful witness of God. And we celebrate Him today because He is the exact representation of God the Father. You want to know what God wants you to do? Look to the words of Jesus Christ. He's also the conqueror of death. Back at our focal passage. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Paul wrote Timothy something, I think, which is profound in the second letter that Paul wrote Timothy, chapter 1, verse 10. It says, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. He's abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Isaiah 25 verse 8 says that he will swallow up death forever. 1 Corinthians 15 55, Paul poses the question regarding the sting of death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He abolishes death. He swallows it up. He takes the sting away. In Christ, we are victorious over death. For over a quarter of a century now, I have preached funerals. And I've preached the funerals of the lost. And I've preached the funerals of the saved. And I will tell you that there is a remarkable difference. The funerals of the lost are bathed in despair and emptiness. They are consumed with futility as people in the audience struggle with the meaning of life. Because we can all be honest, right? When you go to a funeral, funeral, you're there to mourn. But you also start thinking about yourself, right? And as people come, and as typically there are more attendees that are lost in the funerals of the lost, you can see the despair on their faces. Not so in the funerals of the redeemed. There's a bedrock of hope. It's because that hope and that peace is eternal. It's built upon the promises of God. Why is that? It's because Christ has conquered death. He's the firstborn from the dead. So you go to a funeral of a lost and lost person and everybody leaves and it's quiet and there's a despair. You go to the funeral of a saved person. And yes, while we mourn the saved who've passed on, there's an eternal hope. There's a hope. I always think about the lovely saints who I have had the privilege of pastoring over the last 25 years. People who have meant a lot to me. And I'll give you an anecdotal story. The flowers here at the front were always donated before by Mr. Newman. That's what he did. Money, I'm going to take care of the Easter flowers. And he would arrange for it. And I remember the Easter Sunday after Mr. Newman had passed, met the florist up here. And she said, well, you know, I always used to meet Mr. Newman up here. There was a bond there. I will see him again. I will see all of the people that I have pastored over the years who are believers. I will see them again. You will see your loved ones again who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is why we come together and celebrate the resurrection. Because Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. Because he conquered death. We conquer death through Him. We will see our loved ones. We will dwell in the presence of God for eternity. He is the conqueror. Christ the conqueror. He's also the ruler. Back in verse 5. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Now, we are about ready to enter into the height of the political season. 
And I'm sure by the time winter gets here, we will all be sick and tired of all of the political ads on the TV and the radio. And every election cycle, we all get excited and we get behind our candidate and we have this hope. And I will tell you that I think it's a false hope. I have voted in every election since 1984, dutifully, as my right as an American citizen. And I can tell you that I have been disappointed in every election cycle since 1984. All of our rulers have clay feet. They all have clay feet. They all disappoint. And I am become a cynic at this point in my life to where I believe that the vast majority of the political class uses Christians as pawns to get what they want. We still have abortion. We still have pornography. We still have human trafficking. We've drifted so far away, and even when, quote-unquote, our side may obtain complete power, no bills are put forth that are built upon Christian truth and belief. And finally, I got to the point in my life where I recognized that I was pulling for the wrong team. Because my team isn't an earthly team. My team is Jesus Christ, ruler of all. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, it says, But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits after those who are Christ at his coming, then comes an end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. In other words, as Christ comes and conquers, there's only one ruler. And that's Jesus Christ himself. And in Jesus Christ himself, there is no disappointment. There is no vote that doesn't go your way. There is no immoral vote. There is no winking at a certain group of people. It is power that is based upon the holiness and righteousness of God himself. And that power and that holiness will cause everyone to bend the knee. Philippians 2, verse 9, Paul wrote, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, everyone that has ever lived on this earth will bend the knee to Jesus Christ. Every single one. As believers, we bend the knee when we meet Jesus, don't we? When you recognize that He is Lord and that you absolutely need a Savior and you bend the knee and you turn your life to Jesus Christ. 
But my friends, there will be a day coming where even the lost of this world will bend the knee. I've always said the saved bend the knee out of a willingness. The lost will bend the knee out of absolute fear as they see the righteousness and the power of Christ. All of these titles, this is who Christ is. This is who Christ is. This is why we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter not because it's a day. We celebrate Easter because we worship Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus Christ, the peace giver. We worship Jesus Christ, the conqueror. We worship Jesus Christ, the witness. We worship Jesus Christ, the ruler, because he is alive today. Which brings us to the next title. How does one know this Jesus Christ? We know him because Christ is also the Redeemer. Look at our focal verse, verse 6. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He washed us from our sins. Ephesians 1, verse 6 says that He has made us accepted. He's made us accepted. I remember when I first started my career and I had this business trip to Philadelphia and I had never been on really fancy type dinners and we went to this really exclusive country club outside of Philadelphia and I was a little nervous that I was going to do the wrong thing. And, you know, here I was just, you know, a guy from East Texas. And first rattle out of the box, what did they put in front of me? Turtle soup. And I thought, I've never eaten a turtle before. (laughs) Nobody in Texas eats turtles. (laughs) So that kind of made me a little uncomfortable that, hey, was I going to handle this right? And then the next thing they brought, was, which was something at that point in my life I had never had, but we were sitting there and the waiters all came and you know how you go to fancy restaurants and they all put your food down at the same time so no one knows what they're getting till it's all presented to you. And lo and behold, here they put a lobster in front of me. I'd never eaten a lobster in my life. And there was a hammer and there was a claw. And I thought, I just... I just don't know how to do this. And luckily for me, there was this real gracious gentleman that his job in the company was to put all of these dinners together. And I looked over at him and I leaned over and I tried to whisper while conversation was going on. And I said, sir, I've never eaten lobster in my life. I have no idea how to do this. And he said, it's okay. Just watch me and do what I do. You'll get through it. He made me feel accepted even though I was in a strange place. Jesus Christ makes us accepted in the Beloved. We're sinners saved by grace. But yet as we stand in the righteousness of God, He makes us accepted in the Beloved. We're at home. 
We're at home because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He makes us accepted. Because in verse 7 of Ephesians 1, it says we have redemption. We're accepted because we've been transformed. And let me tell you something else of why we worship Christ on Easter Sunday. We don't worship Christ as a historical fact, something that happened and doesn't have any influence on our life going forward. As we've already pointed out in Revelation, it says he is and he is to come. In other words, there is a future, there is a present And there is a future with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look at verse 7, it says, of Revelation 4, it says, Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, Amen. And then Christ says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come. My friends, we live in a world that is consumed with self. Absolutely consumed with self. Consumed with the pursuit of pleasure. Consumed with the pursuit of things. But let me remind you that He's coming again. And in Matthew 24, verse 36... As Jesus points out that He's coming again to His disciples, it reads, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. There will be, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And I will say this morning, if you are here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Christ is ready to accept you with arms open wide if you repent, turn from your sins, and ask Christ in your heart and submit to the power of Jesus Christ. And you'll be ready. You'll be ready. Because He's coming again. And for those who believe, I will tell you that we need to make ourselves ready so that we can show ourselves approved as we stand before Him. We want to be approved. We want to hear those words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. We need to be approved. So we don't worship Christ as just this idea where we get this ticket into heaven. 
and then we can live our life however we want to. That's not what Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us for. We worship him because he has transformed us. He has changed us. And to him we need to give all the glory and honor and praise and live our life accordingly and work in his kingdom and work in the church and live our life as if he is coming tomorrow because he can. Join me in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. I pray, Lord, that if there is someone here who's not a Christian, that they might accept you today. Give their life to you. Receive forgiveness. Receive acceptance. I pray, Lord, for us that are believers, that we would use this Sunday to commit our lives, to strengthen our resolve, to stand boldly and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, milkcreekchurch.org.